Today we're talking about more of the Spirits Review of 1858. And the three things we're going to talk about from there is the psychological periods of history, God in the universe, what the Druids thought about it, and then the the kind of the, the theme of the Druid religion is the three circles. And before I begin, you can look up a lot of information about Spiritism on my site, nwspiritism.com. And you can download from nwspiritism.com my free PDF version of Spiritism 101, The Third Revelation. It's also on Kindle and paperback and Audible, if that's how you'd like to see it. And the other thing I would certainly suggest, this is like under 100 pages, kind of gives you the overview of Spiritism. The fact that we are immortal spirits, we reincarnate, karma helps direct our plans for our next lives. And then I would read, and of course the order is up to you. Again, you can find the Spirits book on PDF. Just type in Alan Kardec and Space PDF and you'll find all of his books on, uh, his five core books, I should say, on PDF. And he actually codified the Spirits book, Spirits uh, organized by the Spirit of Truth, as promised by uh, Jesus in the New Testament, that Alan Kardec codified those answers. He sent the same questions, these 1,019 questions to different mediums throughout Europe, and he did not put the answers to those questions unless multiple mediums had answers that were the same or similar. Okay, let's get to where we want to be. So this is in the course, as I'm going through this, these uh, on Sundays, this is from the Spiritist Review of 1858. And this is from the monthly edition of the journal Psychological Studies in April, 1858. This is titled Psychological Period. I will begin. As much as the Spiritist manifestations had happened at all times, it is incontestable that they are exceptionally produced these days. The spirits, when questioned about this subject, were unanimous in their answer. The times chosen by Providence for a universal manifestation has come. Their duty is to dissipate the darkness of arrogance and prejudice. It is the beginning of a new era which prepares the regeneration of humanity. This thought is found notably developed in a letter we have received from one of our members from which we extract the following excerpt. So before I carry on reading, let me just tell you, this is what, you know, this is written in 1858, and it sounds like in 1858 uh, there was going to be this whole spread of spiritism, and it was going to just set fire to the earth, and everybody was going to believe it and uh, adapt it. And, of course, we now know that didn't happen because very few people have heard about Spiritism, although a lot more in Brazil, where I think between 5 and 10% of the people are Spiritist. But Spiritism did enjoy a pretty big uh, popular popularity, I should say, for a brief period of time. But the, the, uh, the Catholic and the Christian churches successively fought this pretty well. They kept saying talking to Spirits is like talking to demons they completely rejected the idea of reincarnation and they they patted it down uh pretty suc successfully but now it's coming back because it grew in brazil 
and it's growing in other parts of the country because people are seeing the logic of spiritism saying that you know it's like if you're a bad person you don't rot in hell forever what happens if you were you, you were raised in a horrible family and they kind of forced you into these things or you were you were 16 or 17 and you were totally ignorant which we all were at that age and you killed someone well does that mean you're going to rot in hell forever well no spiritism says that you you'll go in a bad place for a while but when you change your character and your attitude you'll be able to rise up you go in your next life you have to pay for your wrongful deed but you'll learn through life after life and eventually you'll become a perfect spirit god is just and god is love Okay, let me uh, carry on. Everything has its time. The period that has just finished seems to be specially destined by the Almighty to the progress of physics and mathematics, and it is probably with the objective of disposing men to the knowledge of the exact sciences which oppose them. Now, again, this is always interesting because this was written in 1858. And in their minds, they had advanced physics and mathematics so much like, you know, how could you do better than this? And, of course... This is another fallacy that we can't let ourselves into because we think, well, how can you do better than this? We know so much. In actuality, we know so little. But I just, you know, it's a very interesting seeing their, their point of view. Okay, and disposing men to the exact sciences which oppose them for such a long time to the manifestation of the spirits as if that manifestation could be harmful to the positivism required by the study of the sciences. In one word, he wanted men to turn into a turn into a habit to search for explanation of every phenomena which could be produced before their eyes in the sciences of observation. It seems that the scientific period is now over. After the immense progress which took place over that period, it would not be impossible that the new period, which must succeed the other, would be destined by the creator to the initiations of psychological order. In the immutable law of perfect perfectibility established to the humankind, what can he do after having initiated men in the physical laws of motion and revealed the, the engine which men changed the face of the globe? Men have probed the most distant depths of space. The march of the globes and the general movement of the universe are no longer secrets. Men read the history of formation of our own planet and geological layers. Light is transformed at will into lasting images. Man dominates lightning with steam and electricity, suppresses distances in men's thoughts, travels across the space with the speed of light. Arriving at this summit to which history of mankind offers no similar, whatever the degree of advancement may have been reached in the remote eras, it seems reasonable to me to think that the psychological order opens up a new road and the path of progress to man. It is at least every at least what we would be deduced from the facts that are produced in our days and multiply everywhere. Let us wait for the moment to approach, if it is not done so yet, in which the Almighty will initiate us in the new great and sublime truth. It is up to us to understand it and support him in the duty of regeneration, which means we're going from a plan of atonement to a plan of regeneration. Now, it's very interesting. See, so he's talked about the speed of light. We, we you know, we, we, We've reduced distances. We've explored the universe. And if someone tells us now that, oh, in 1858, they solved everything, we just laugh. Again, as they will laugh at us when we think, well, in 2021, we knew a heck of a lot. And they'll just laugh. And they'll say, ah, you, you didn't know anything. 
And again, so let's put this in perspective of what the spirit world tells us. And then we'll see what Alan Kardec says, see if, if he agrees with me or just disagrees. Spirits have told us that we've gone through eras where we've reached technological progress, but then in those eras, they've destroyed civilization, such as Atlantis and Lemuria. And they've said there's other ones that we don't know about because men's technological ability overstretched their moral capability. And therefore, they said, no, you're not ready to have all these new technology. Now, in this era, we have been told that we are on the progress to become a planner generation because we have not outstretched our technological ability. We still we have enough moral cap capacity to help us through all these new inventions and technology, not to use them exclusively for war. Now, I know many people are skeptical at that, and I do not blame you, but if you look at it in context of other periods and other eras of time, it's probably evident. Just think about the Roman Empire. If they if they had had nuclear weapons, it would have been okay. Anyone that didn't say I surrender, it would have been it would have just been attack, attack, attack. Because they you know, they had you know human life was not uh, uh, special to them. So we shall see. So now the other thing is is we see ourselves as we're just this is completely materialistic society i mean how much more materialistic can we be everything all of our all of the news organizations tv videos films just completely bombard us with what we should accumulate and that our success is based on how much wealth we have and what we accumulate well that is starting to turn in fact the spirits have told us that we'll come to that to that you know penultimate position of materialism and then the 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 ship will start to turn and we'll start learning that it is it isn't everything in fact you can see that from from uh people wanting to have less the tiny house movement all sorts of movements the organic food movement uh helping the environment all those things show that people are trying to put other other things up in front of their own uh, selfish desires and wanting wealth. Although it is it's actually a good experience for us to resist that constant bombardment from propaganda. Okay, let me carry on. This letter is Mr. George, Georges, who, whom we spoke about in our first issue. We have only to congratulate him for the progress in the doctrine. The eminent points of view he develops demonstrate that he understands it under its truthful prism. To him, the doctrine is not summarized by the belief in the spirits and their manifestations. It is a whole philosophy, which is absolutely true. As Mr. George's, we believe that we have entered into a psychological period. The motives he presents are perfectly rational, as we do not think that the scientific period has given the final word. On the contrary, we suppose that it still reserves many more prodigies. We are in a transition period in which the characters of both periods blend. And I think that's still true 150 years later. And we say, well, 150 years, that's a long time. Well, remember, we are immortal. The Earth has been around for, I think, what, 7 billion years? If I remember that right, I could be off about that. Maybe that's a population. Maybe it's 3.5 billion. Anyway, it's been around for several billion years at least. And so 150 years is a small transition period. So I believe that given that whole time, 
we have been in a transition period in which morality had to fact change a bit. It had to kind of get away from the from the morality as defined by the organized religion, which a lot of people, some people still love, and God bless you for that. But it had to come out of that and be a more inclusive and uh, forgiving and loving religion uh, doctrine where you're not, you know, you don't go to hell because you didn't get baptized or you did something wrong or you mentally sinned. No, that's not true. We are all imperfect and we were becoming perfect in life after life. So then you think about, well, look at our just these these things that happen. And this is where I think that Alan Kardec is right, and he couldn't foresee this, but if you look at the the complete materialism of world of the 20th century, and then what did that bring us? It brought us just enormous amount of deaths, right? World War One, World War Two, all these other wars throughout the world. And then the scourge of fascism and communism that killed millions of people. Those were all, those were all not moral, but material uh, philosophies. You know, equal, equal uh, everything for everybody. Of course, that was communism was hijacked by the elite, as it always was, because we're not. A, you know, you can have any type of government if you had all good people. It all work. But when you have humans who are imperfect and you have a, a tyrannical government, you'll have the imperfect humans been charged because they'll figure out how to do it. They'll have no conscience. Nothing, you know, their conscience is not going to stop them from taking power and keeping it. And this is hopefully, this is showing the world, especially what we're going through now, showing the world what people who love power and want to use it, no matter how logical or illogical it is, what they will do. I'll carry on. The knowledge acquired by the antiquity and and antiquity. Sorry about that. I think that's spelled wrong, but anyway, about the spiritist manifestations did not serve as an argument against the idea of a psychological period, which is in preparation. Yeah, hundred a year, hundred fifty years or so, probably correct. In fact, let us notice that in two, and in antiquity, such knowledge was limited to a strict circle of wise men. The people had only some idea about them, flawed by prejudice and disfigured by the charlatanism of the priests who used them as the means of domination. As we have said elsewhere, such knowledge has never been lost. They remain as isolated facts, certainly because the time was not right for them to be understood. What happens today has a completely different character. The manifestations are general, shock society from top to bottom. The spirits no longer teach in the mysterious circles of the temple, inaccessible to the common ones. These facts happen in the daylight. They speak a language understandable by all. Everything thus announced from a moral point of view, a new phase to humanity. So let's talk about that one for a bit. Let me go to the next one before I, I want to get through this. because Okay, we'll get that in a minute. So what has Spiritism told us about, about this whole period of becoming more moral and becoming something, something different? And this is all part of our spiral of progress. And what they do is as we've gone through 
the Athenian democracy, the Roman Empire, the Indian, uh, you know, Genghis Khan, the Chinese Empire culture has been around for five, six thousand years. All of these things, they all of these rise up and disappear, right? Because when uh, humankind does terrible things to its neighbors, there's for every action, there's a reaction, and all that, all that is supposed to tell us that, you know. Your quest for world domination and enslaving other peoples and making them your economic, uh, you know, unit of, of, of productivity, let's say, or, you know, economic slave is not going to go unnoticed. And, and, you know, the historians always say, well, empires kind of go and then there's reach a certain level and they get hubris and they, you know, they start push back and they decline. Well, a lot of that naturally probably is true. But I think a lot of that is pushed along by the um, by the spirit world. You know, if you look through history, there's always like these important moments where the uh, it's like the the aggressive empire just always this seems to splash out on the scene. But then things start happening; and they start catching up to them. Bad luck happens, which is not really bad luck, but it's you know it's the things that are guided by the spirit world. And they will eventually retire. But all that is, we shouldn't get too upset about it. We should look at it with interest and read history because it's all showing us that to be dominant is not what the spirit world wants us to be. In fact, the spirit world wanted Rome to be this shining city on, in, on the hill and teach the rest of the uh, Italian peninsula and greater part of Europe and the Mediterranean of what it means to be very organized. The Romans were very organized. They had a good or they had a good family structure. They they were very moral and honest with each other in their business dealings. There was a lot of great things about the Romans at the time that were uh, would be a good example for the rest of that area of the world. Unfortunately, what happened is the Romans became so efficient and militarily, they they sought after power. Now, and in this, and in the book on the way to the light by the Spirit of Manuel, they said this. The Spirit said, "Then that's also one of the reasons why Christ came at that time, because he was actually hoping to be influential with some of the leading people of Rome, so they would stop being so aggressive against other people. But evidently, that didn't stop them." And then when Jesus came back, they said, okay, no, this experiment's not working. We've got to take take him down a notch, put him back on into nature, put, put the ex-generals and ex-senators on the farm so they can learn a bit of humility and what happens when a, a rogue prince or lord comes and says, hey, I want all your wheat. You know, they can feel what they did. And that, you know, and... That's part of what's happening. And so we went through this whole thing in the 20th century where I believe that we're, we, we're being able to see the extent of what materialism has done. And I think people are starting to get a clue now in the 21st century is they are, they are um, learning that this unbridled uh, wanting of possessions, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, satisfy you. And I think a lot of people are seeing, and, and the other thing spirits have said, and what I've read in uh, mediums meetings, is that the, they said that spirits said, you'll find out after the fact kind of why we had that 
this great thing we're in now. I don't even want to say it because of YouTube. And I think a lot of that is that people have gone home. You see a lot of people quitting jobs. They want to work from home. They're actually seeing the love of home, the importance of the family, the importance of their children, and that they will sacrifice a greater wage and bonus, etc., in order to have some sort of life. Let me get one of the, um, this from Figures. Here's a, a comment. Government control usually begins with good intentions, but then turns into subjecting the masses to a controlled atmosphere. Usually appears to be a good idea at first. Exactly. And, and if I may add to that, the, what our politicians do, especially, you know, in, in, I don't know if modern or probably they've always done this, is they create, they create problems which only they say they can fix so they can have more control over us. And so you'll see, that's why people should just turn off the news and not believe anything they hear, at least the mainstream, because they'll just, they're just aping what the, the government politicians are and showing you, oh, these are all your problems and here's the solution. Well, usually that solution somehow either gives them more power or enriches someone. So try and uh, look for alternative sor sources and try to think for yourself. And then here's the second part of the comment is almost like a vehicle that speeds up and loses control. Exactly. Because you think you're going well, you're driving along fast and you tell us go faster. And then you, you reach the line where you've overstepped the boundary. And we're kind of seeing that in our current uh, situation, but we shall see. It's all, you just, you know, you can't get too upset over anything. I would just say that you, you do what you can and you kind of look at what people are doing and you, and you just try to learn from that what you can and don't get too emotionally involved because we're all, we're all, um, we're all along for the ride. This is the big show for us. We're on earth to learn. We're on earth to learn what not to do and what to do. And we're really, the primary purpose is to learn how to improve ourselves and not to improve other people. As Jesus said that, you know, pay attention to the plank in your eye. And so the splinter in your brother's eye, and it means that everywhere. Here's another comment. Yes. In addition to that, we begin to believe we cannot solve our own problems that this depending on outside sources. Exactly. Because we all like other people to solve our problems for us. Isn't that nice? right? It's more convenient. It's, it's easier. And of course, being human and being not that advanced of humans, we like other people to solve our problems and we love getting free things. What, what could go wrong? Well, a lot. And that's what hopefully what, what we're learning. So anyway, let me go to the, um, to the next. So there's spiritism tells you a lot. Spiritism really tells you that, uh, they want you to be self-disciplined. They want you to be tolerant. They don't want you to be rude. They don't want you to have revolutions. They don't want you to believe in utopias. Because there's, as I said before, no system of government is going to work until humankind is also perfect. And then it doesn't make a difference what kind of government we use because people will, will always care and think about other people and want to do what's best. It doesn't make a difference then because... It, it, it will be a benign, wonderful set of people around you that you'll always be protected and, and loved. Whereas as long as we have imperfect people, we're going to have people that are going to rise to the top and will do it ruthlessly. You see that not only in government, you see that in big business too. Okay, let's 
go on with God and the universe. And it's interesting that the show, as far as the uh, what the Druids thought. So this is what the Druids thought that God in, in the universe was. And it shows you how the central themes, you know, from Buddhism and Zoroastrianism, uh, Hinduism, all this, it's, it's always, you know, they're always kind of, they're, they're trying to tell us that, that we kind of started from one, right? So let's, let's hear, see what it says. God in the universe. Number one, there are three primitive unities, that, and from each one of those there could not be more than one, a God, a truth, and a point of freedom, which is the point where the balance of the whole opposition resides. It's interesting. And point of freedom is probably the free will. Two, the things proceed from the three primitive unities, the whole life, the whole good, and the whole power. God, uh, number three, God is necessarily three things, the greatest part of life, the greatest part of science, and the greatest part of power. From each thing, there could not be a greater part. And four, God cannot stop being three things, which has to constitute the perfect good, which has to desire the perfect good, and which has to practice the perfect good. Now look at the, the similarity of Buddhism, and I probably have this wrong, but it's like, uh, it's like, uh, think right or speak right, think right, act right, live right. Which is, you know, yes, right? Follow your conscience, do good things, try to be as a good as person you want. And as you do it, don't just fake it and don't just do good things that make yourself look good. Do them because you want to, right? That's where you think and you act and you speak. And it's, it's the thinking part that's most important. Because when we go back to the spirit world, our thoughts are an open book. And if we and if we act like you know just perfect little uh, little people, and yet in our mind, like oh, I hate that person, but you're so nice and and loving to them, that means nothing in the spirit world. Absolutely nothing. Your intention and your thoughts mean everything. So if you're thinking that, oh, I'd like to help that person, even though you can't because you have no money and you're physically unable to help that person, that means a lot. It's your attitude. It's your thoughts that, that start reforming your character and your attitude and your personality. And that's why it's tough being here on Earth because we have to rewire our whole brain. It's not easy to rewire your brain. Not easy to get rid of those habits. And it's not easy to, to not just love your little tribal, you know, family and loving everybody. Even, it doesn't mean you have to be best buddies with everyone who you think is repulsive. Just that you have to love them maybe from afar. Know that even though they may not, they may be really primitive and imperfect now, someday they will be. And then three guarantees of what God does and will do. He has his infinite power, his infinite wisdom, and his infinite love, as there is nothing that cannot be done, that cannot become truthful, and that cannot be desired as an attribute. Number uh, six, the three main objectives of God's work as a creator of all things, to diminish evil, reinforce good, and clarify the whole difference so as to know what should be or, on the contrary, what should not be. And that is, again, right in with spiritism. It's, the fact is that God implanted into each of us our conscience. And our conscience, as we start out as primitive spirits, 
well, we don't listen to it or we uh, rationalize it away. But our conscious, we start listening to our conscious more and more as we go through uh, experiences. And also it grows because we start seeing it like a law library, right? Where you, it's not everything's black and white. There's a lot of gray area. And we become more experienced. We become more wise. And, and that is what wisdom is. It's knowledge with empathy and love. And that's what we what we become. And again, here it is. Dismiss evil means stop think, stop doing the things we know that are against other people. Reinforce what we do is good. And then understand in different circumstances what we should do or should not do. Uh, number seven, three things God cannot stop conceding. What there is of more advantageous and of more necessary and of more beautiful for each thing. So God will keep growing all the stuff. And I, uh, that's all like within us too. As we become, as we become more experienced and knowledgeable on a higher level, then we'll just keep going higher and higher and higher. Number uh, eight, three forces of existence. It cannot be different. It cannot necessarily be another one. It cannot be able to be better since its conception. This contains the perfection of all things. Number nine, three things will necessarily prevail. The supreme power, the supreme intelligence, and the supreme love of God. So they make everything into threes, like the uh, Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit kind of thing. Number 10, the three greatness of God, perfect life, perfect science, perfect power. Now, this is uh, very similar to Spiritism, where, let me just hide this for a second and put this where you can see behind me it was uh spiritism is the combination of religion philosophy and science and that's what that's what we want to become now you can say well science you're not really much in science right now well, you know, have you proven you can talk to spirits and have you proven there's a spirit world uh, no and so but it will be uh, spiritism says that someday it will be proven but not now. Right now, we all have to uh, explore and know how to find the existence of something higher than us, all within us, and to understand that. Not easy. Okay, then let's go to the three circles. And before we get off of God, so God, many people think that when they die, they will understand God. And what we have been told by spirits, and actually Jesus Christ himself said, if you want to understand God, you have to, you have to come through me. And what he's saying, uh, you've got to they begin to get a clue of the vastness and immensity and the complexity of God. You should understand who I am. And spirits in the in the levels of heaven surrounding the earth say the same thing. They said, we don't understand God any more than you do. We don't have the capacity. But, but you know, we probably have a little bit more of an intuitive feeling once, because we see and we understand what, not completely, but we see what the power and majesty of Jesus and what we hear on earth in human form 
we think of Jesus as this wonderful person who died on the cross for our sins, who loved everybody, perform miracles per se, although there's no miracles as per spiritism. Where when you see Jesus, and I talk about this in my book, uh, Heaven and Below, in the spirit realm, he is the CEO, he's the governor, he's the leader, right? He's and He actually was part of a group of spirits that formed the solar system, and he helped form the earth, the atmosphere on the earth, the moon. He and his, his ministers and his legions of, of high spirits guided all animal and plant life and helped to create the human life as we have now so it can, it can hold a, a free-willed spirit like we're in at the moment. And of course, and our bodies will continue to evolve. We will be different. At one time, everything will be changed, right? Don't get too wedded to whatever you are, or whatever you look like. It will all change. So, and Jesus can, you know, one spirit said that every time he's seen him, like these big talks, right? And these, these presentations, he's always looks, appears a bit different. And by the way, he said, I've never seen him with a beard. So he can he can show himself as he as he wants to. The other thing he said is that okay, Jesus is not just in charge of this planet, he's in charge of other planets. And when he goes to other planets, they probably see him in their form. And that's and that's all oh, let me put this it goes. Because this says, I started reading the spirit realm, which is um, my book I have out, and found it very enlightening how you talk about heaven as if the levels of the ocean. This is the awe moment for me, aha moment. Yeah, it's it's hard to understand the complexity and really who we are and what we're in. We're in this vast logical construct with data and personalities us we are personalities spirits call us personalities we're encapsulated groups of logic that can roam through depending on our level of of spiritual power morality and knowledge we can roam through the galaxies and universes if we if we're high enough because we have that set of permissions so how does all that work and that's what i explore in the spirit realm and then what's the earth well the earth is a campus where you've got to Fashion yourself so you're a better person because you're going to have immense power when you go into the higher levels of heaven. Jesus helped form the world. And you have to use that for love and, and empathy and, and to help people. So as I was saying, the Spirit was saying, Jesus is in charge of other planets. And when those people on other planets, they see him in their form. And Jesus is is older than the earth because he helped create the earth. So who knows in what human-like form that he was in when he first was a primitive spirit. And of course, he, everyone probably went to multiple planets, just like we will go to multiple planets and learn different things. But it's just, when you start realizing that, and, and then the other thing is, so... Let's talk about schools just for one second. You see schools are usually run no matter what country, county, state, country, language, culture. 
they're they're run of they're similar, right? You've got teachers, you've got classrooms, you've got bells going from one class to another. You have kind of the approaches of how you learn. Things it can be small changes, of course, but it's kind of it's kind of a process of how to educate young and immature minds that's out there and well known. So this one spirit said something very interesting. He says, which makes you think, he says, you know, so on other planets, there are other Christ events. So think about that. So as, so this planet, we've had Socrates, Buddha, Lao Tzu, Zoaster, just to name a few, right, of these. And these, most of these are ministers from Jesus that come and they reincarnate maybe once, six, eight hundred years and to try and help a planet move forward. So this must be a well-known use that you've got all these primitive spirits and you're trying to mature them. You send someone down who actually knows what they're talking about and you try and help lead them a bit. It's like when you're in school, you try and get one of the, the smarter, more level-headed guys uh, or women, right, to kind of be a leader so they will do the right thing. Not always successful, as we can see even on Earth. But this is, okay, so it just shows you Earth is a campus. This process has been done probably for billions more years than other planets. And they've got this down pat of how they're going to see us mature or not mature. And when they think they have to break us down and say, no, I think you need to start that that lesson over again. And that's even for a collective humanity, right? When they wiped out Atlantis and Lemuria. So once you kind of take that in of really who and what we are, it's like, whoa, okay, I'm not as important as I thought I was. But then again, you are, because you are at one day going to be an extremely productive member of spirit society. Because when you re go past the levels of heaven that are surrounding the earth, then you too will will help guide planets and who knows what. Um, another comment says, I love the ocean and know how inconspicuous the levels of the ocean can be. Except for specific creatures that inhabit those levels, I can definitely imagine heaven in such a way now. Exactly. And that's a good way of doing it because I try and present in my books, I try and present... People think of things different ways. And we like to think of heaven as up, you know, purgatory or the lower zone as the spirit is called down, right? And we we think of we think in geometric geometrical shapes. And so a lot of times I describe them in that way, but at the same time, in probably in reality, they are data, they're clumps of of completely sophisticated, complex data representations. They're objects with data behind them that represent those objects to when we want to look ourselves as a spirit as an object. And things aren't up and down. They either are absent or present. That's what spirit tells us. There's no, there's no distance. It's absence or presence. And you either put yourself into what level heaven you want to be. You don't travel per se although you could you could travel if that's how you want your perception to work 
what you wrote you set is you're now set in the set, different set of parameters think of the video game where you've got this this you know little avatar walking through a forest and then kind of jumping onto a ship and going through the ocean and then jumping onto land and doing something else well did that avatar really move or was that all logic inside the program of whoever programmed or team of people that programmed that game? But the avatar thought he moved. Because after all, he was in the state of being on land, so he had to walk. Then he was in the state of being on the ship. And then the ship went so many knots and got to so many distance and got to that other shore because of the rules of the game. Think about those things. It's... This is where we're at. That's why I, I wrote this book, The Spirit Realm. So you can see we're in this encapsulated environment. And when you start understanding the true environment which you, you are in, which we have been told in Genesis, right? God thought, you know, light and there was light, right? It all started with thought, right? And other, other religions all kind of starts with a word. It starts with a thought. And when, you know, especially in, in Hindus, like that, where you know, everything is light, well, light is energy. So there's light and energy. And that's what we are. We're energy. We're immortal. Okay. I've gone off on some sort of tangent. I don't know how to recover, but let's go back. Uh, the three circles. Number seven. There are three circles of existence. The circle of the empty region Sugant, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, where, with the exception of God, there's nothing alive nor dead, and no being that God cannot penetrate, the circle of migration, where every animated being proceeds from death, where man has lived, and the circle of happiness, where every animated being proceeds from life, and that man will live in heaven. So, again, so they're showing there's stuff that were, there's just something sublime, Sublime, that's up to that we have no conception of. And then there is, there's kind of the earthly physical life. And then there's the circle of happiness, which is, is, is the spirit world. Number eight, three successive states of the animated beings, the state of hum humiliation in the abyss, the state of freedom in humanity, and the state of happiness in heaven. Well, again, so does this describe us? Well, so we are starting out as primitive spirits. And I, this, I'm sure this pertains to me and everyone else. Is we started primitive spirits. We were on, on earth. We behaved in a primitive manner, horrible. And when we died, we went to the lower zones, which is the state of humiliation in the abyss. And in fact, spiritism calls what most people call uh, purgatory, call that the dark abyss. The state of freedom and humanity. Okay, well, now you're back on the physical world. You've got certain freedom. Of, of your choices, most of your attitude and your choices and the trials given to you, but you feel like you're free. And then the state of happiness is when you've gotten more mature, you are in heaven. Uh, number nine, the three necessary phases of our existence regarding life. The beginning, okay, in the, the abyss, the trans transmigration in earth and the plenitude in heaven. Without these three things, nothing else can exist but God. So, and as spiritism says this, that we start out as primitive spirits, 
and we become higher and higher spirits and eventually become where we can actually communicate with God. How that happens, I have no idea. Thus, as a summary about the capital point of the theology that God as their creator takes the souls from the emptiness, the triads do not precisely enunciate. After showing God is an inaccessible and eternal sphere, they simply sold, show the souls originating in the last layers of the universe, in the abyss. From there, these souls pass to the migration circle, where their destiny is determined through a series of existences. That's where we are right now. According to the good or bad use of their freedom, Finally, they elevate to the supreme circle where migrations stop. And migrations can stop in, if you want. If you're a high enough spirit, you don't ever have to uh, incarnate again. But they do. I'm sure people like Socrates and Buddha, right? They volunteer to say, okay, I'll, I'll come to earth and I'll help, right? I'll, because I want to. they're full of love and they want to help us. Not because they have anything to work on. No, they don't. But because... They're here to help humanity, to help, help the students have uh, an example to follow. Where there's no more death, where life takes place in happiness, preserving and perpetual activity and total consciousness of their individuality. And that is true. Truthfully, Druidism does not follow the same mistakes as Eastern theologies, which lead men to be finally absorbed into a center of immutable destiny since on the contrary it distinguishes a special circle a circle of the emptiness are infinite which forms the incommunicable privilege of the supreme being in which no creature whatever the degrees of holiness will ever penetrate it is the highest point of the religion because it establishes the milestones for everyone's progress well but the eastern theologies they are correct at some point because even the spirits say look there's 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 all these levels of heaven and how high they go we don't know right we're probably on this low level and we think we're high and we're not but at some point they say you become part of the sublime which eastern theologies say that just there's there's this sublime this sublimeness but what the spirits say is that even when you're this part of the sublime, you still retain your individual character and personality. That's what they say. So it's like everyone has a little bit of the truth, right? It's not, it's not easy. The most significant hallmark of that theology, given that it is a purely negative mark, consists in the absence of a particular circle, such as the Tartar of the pagan antiquity, destined to the endless punishment of criminal souls. To the Druids, there isn't properly, properly a hell. The distribution of penalties to their eyes occurs in the circles of migrations. In a more or less happy condition, where always an owner of their own freedom, they expiate their faults through the suffering and prepare for a better future by the reformulation of their vices. So the Druids knew about reincarnation. And to me, you know, and the Roman Empire was very serious about wiping out the Druids. Very serious. And you notice that they were also serious at first about wiping out the Christians. And I believe that is because the idea of reincarnation gives people a certain leverage of saying, oh, you're not that important to me. I have other lives. If you're a high lord, hey, you may be nothing in your next life. The Romans didn't like that. And in fact, 
Spiritism has told us that the Romans, when it became Christianity, became more of a state religion. They took out whatever the Bible talked about reincarnation because they didn't want people thinking that they didn't have to pay homage to the physical power as it was to the priestly class and the political class that they had to depend on them for their salvation. But actually, once you, once you believe in reincarnation, it's like, no, I don't depend on you. I depend on myself and improving myself. And they did not want this. So you can, but you can see why other religions that had this mysterious priestly class and this, you know, keep this power, you know, all the Egyptian religions and the Far Eastern religions that, the, and who knows what other types that the, you know, the, the Greek pantheon of gods that the Romans have said, yeah, fine, come on in. But they didn't do that to the Druids and they certainly didn't do that to the Christians. And I believe that was one of the keys. Maybe not the only reason, but I believe that was the key, is that they 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 believed that something could be superior to that physical power on earth. And that is not how they wanted people to think. We're seeing the same thing today, of course. The ruling class never wants anybody to think there's something above them. Okay. In certain cases, it's even possible that the souls degenerate to the uh, Nuflun region where they are born into which no other meaning can be given but the animality. By this dangerous side of the de degeneration, there was nothing justifies as the diversity of conditions in the circle of humanity is perfectly sufficient to the penalties of all degrees. Druidism would have then slipped to the metapsychosis, but such an unpleasant extreme to which no requirement of the development of the soul through migrations leads, as it will be seen by a series of triads relatively to the regime of the abred circle. It seems to have occupied a secondary place in the religious system. So I think I don't need to go on more about that. I don't think it's that uh, we need to get that far in, into the Druid religion per se, but I do feel that I it it's interesting to see. And of course, Alan Kardec, which is the pen name of uh, Dr. Raval, that pen name, they, the spirits chose the name Alan Kardec because that was his name when he was a Druid priest way back when, I don't know how many thousands of years or when he was a Druid priest, but that's, uh, that's why he, he, uh, he'd done that. Okay, so to wrap up, I, I did want to say, I just want to show this on my own thing, is uh, one of our readers says she likes that book so far, The Spirit Realm, and I would recommend that for people who really want to understand where you are at. Um, the main thing is I, I put these out, not to force anybody to think anything. It's what Spiritism does is they lay out information for you and say, okay, pick it up if you want. Because first of all, I'm, gonna, I'm the first one to tell you, if you don't follow what I say, no big deal. You're going to have another chance. You're going to have many lives. There's no, nothing like, well, if you don't get baptized, you're going to hell. If you don't believe this, you're, you're going to hell. No, you're not. If you're a good person, you're going to go to heaven, and eventually you'll, you'll improve over time after time. But if you would really like to know and to, and to understand who you are and be ready for heaven, then I would say start reading and, and studying Spiritism. Now, there's a drawback to that. Once you've been exposed to the Spiritist doctrine and understand Spiritism, 
ignorance is no excuse for a lot of things. If you're, you know, some uh, primitive spirit hasn't been exposed to anything and does something wrong, well, they're not that to blame because they don't know. Whereas you, who understands now reincarnation and karma, and you deliberately do something wrong, yeah, that was a choice. That was a real choice. In fact, the funny story is uh, Chico Xavier's mother, who was in heaven, she died uh, when he was pretty young. But Chico had a sister, and Chico was a great medium in Brazil. In fact, he did more than 450 books, all psychographed through spirits, and, and now I think it's up to 500 or a little bit more. So what his sister was a dedicated Catholic, right? She never really adhered to what Chico uh, believed in spiritism. So his sister died. And he asked his mother, he goes, well, how's my sister? He goes, oh, she's doing great. She's in, a, she's in like a Catholic community right now. She's convalescing. She's with all the other Catholics because that's the lower levels of heaven. You, you know, when you're still tied into your own little group, culture, or whatever, you associate with that. As you get higher, then you you know you grow beyond that. And he goes, "Oh, that's that's wonderful." He goes, "Okay, so she's in this wonderful place." He goes, "What do they do when a spiritist dies?" And she goes, "Oh, for them, they put them right to work." So one never knows. Let me show this comment. Yes, knowledge changes you. Uh, knowledge changes you though so yes and exactly so as you understand that you'll change and I can attest to that because understanding that things are going to happen to us right it makes you more comfortable in your life and it makes you more I shouldn't say more calm I should say calmer pardon me because you understand when when these little dramatic events happen or you lose something or something doesn't go the right way it's like you say oh what you should say now you understand spiritism you understand the effect of karma and trials and tribulation you should say okay well there's another box i checked off that i must have done something wrong to someone in at some past life and now i understand what that means and so that you can actually feel better and what spiritism says is that is that when you're a spiritist, when something bad happens to someone, you, you think to yourself, okay, well, they paid for that. that. They don't have to go through that again. But the people you really feel sorry for are the ones that commit crimes. And you go, oh, they're going to have to pay for that. That's going to come back and bite them. That's going to be a heavy burden. And that's why it's 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 freeing. It's, it's freeing to know that, look, you're on earth. Your life's not going to go smooth. That's not why you're here. It's not. It's not to be a smooth life. It's a life to learn. It's. It's. If you notice your your life is a lot like you spent in high school, where the bell rang, you went to a certain class or a phase in your life, and then the bell rang again, and you en ended that class and went to the next phase, right? The next class or the next phase in your life. Sometimes the phases. Phases that um, are uh, combine themselves. Ah, so here's a simple sentence: says, "Wait, do you you know that I have a haunted doll that contains an espiritista?" Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, um, 
Yeah, so there are spirits, there are spiritists that maybe haven't risen above yet. They're still spiritists, but they maybe they haven't quite quite uh understood. In fact, uh I've seen that before uh in one of the books by Henri Louise, where a spiritist was down in the lower zone because they really hadn't internalized it. And that's probably something that's happened to them is they they've read it and they've understood it intellectually, but have they internalized it yet? And I think that's something all of us go through, right? Because when I started reading spiritism, I go, oh, okay, I understand that. But I didn't I didn't emotionally absorb it. It took me a long, long time. And I'm still not there. I'm not, you know, first of all. I, I, so, so I now have a lot to learn. Okay, oh, let's see. Her spirit appeared at my godfather's home and said she wanted to continue her spiritism work with his help. There you go. Helps you wanted to keep improving, which is a great attitude. There's all levels of all people, right? And this is where, um, when you see comments from uh, simply Luciani, she is a, a, a medium, and um, that's why it's wonderful. I love having mediums with real experience. I've been in mediums meeting, but I am not a medium. Uh, we're all in, intuitive mediums. That means that we get ideas that we don't even know about but because every thing they say is like it backs up what spirit just tells you tell it it really does uh give you a, a foundation to, where you can understand what mediums are telling you and what they're talking to the spirits and what different levels of spirits they're talking to i had one medium write me when she listened to uh, one of my youtube videos or articles i can't remember she goes oh, i can't believe this i go finally someone is saying what i experienced and i go and I, uh, I wrote her back back and forth and i go well what he goes well i remember being a spirit helper helping people who passed away then go from you know when they first died and taking them to their spirit colony i thought no one else knew that when you talk and then you talk about no solar there's the whole story of that so this is where i think a lot of people have these intuitive ideas and then i think spiritism help fill in some of those blanks and 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 gives you a more backing to what your intuitive idea is that ah oh, okay other people think this too okay so i want to thank everyone for being with me today and of course, on Monday, tomorrow, I will be back on board and it will be Q&A. And so if you have questions and you can't make it live, put in the comments. In fact, I already have one, I think, from uh, Vicorex that I will talk about tomorrow because I know that you said that you can't make the live meeting. And I already have a question that I will attempt to answer during the meeting, the live stream tomorrow. And I also live stream on Tuesdays. So I want to say, everyone, God bless. God bless everyone.